Hi, and welcome to Unsolved Mysteries of the World, where we explore the unexplained. Our topics include missing persons, UFO and aerial phenomenon, unsolved murders, lost treasures, cryptozoology, urban legends, conspiracies, ancient archaeological anomalies, and much more. If this is your first time listening to us and you like our show, remember to subscribe when you get a chance. Each episode, we will dive into a topic or case with an in-depth narrative and include special guest interviews where possible. This is Season 1, Episode 1, The Miracle of Fatima, one of the most controversial modern-day mysteries. We will explore the event, unravel the encounter, and speak to Albert S. Rosales, a researcher and author about humanoid encounters, including the event at Fatima. Due to the graphic nature and language of some of our programs, listener discretion is advised. Now, enjoy the show. Among the most controversial events in modern times, which has had and still has religious, spiritual, political, and conspiracy implications, is the event known as the Miracle of Fatima. In 1915, shepherd girl Lucia Santos, age 8, of Fatima, Portugal, recited the rosary with three friends when she saw a brightly white translucent human form appear above the trees. The children returned to this same location to pray, and each time they witnessed the same apparition. The next year, Lucia and her cousins Jacinta and Francisco Marto were herding sheep at the Cova del Area near their home village. They heard a strong wind that shook the nearby trees, and the same white figure appeared to them once again. As it drew closer this time, Lucia could see that it was an image of a young boy, who she described as transparent and bright like lighted crystal. The boy approached the children and declared himself to be the angel of peace and taught them a simple prayer which he asked them to repeat. The children agreed to repeat the prayer and to teach it to others. The boy hovered back towards the tree line and vanished, leaving the children in a disassociated state repeating the prayer on loop. The odd feeling lasted into the next day and only gradually degraded. The children had two more visitations by this apparition, once by a well where he then called himself the guardian angel of Portugal and encouraged the children to offer sacrifices to save themselves from God's wrath. In the fall of the same year, the vision was once again seen and the boy told the children to pray for non-believers and performed Holy Communion. After each of these events, the children remained in a state of near comatose. Onlookers would poke at them with sharp objects and burn them with cigarette butts, but they wouldn't react. They would slowly emerge out of this state and be both physically and mentally exhausted. Often, they would not be able to even speak or walk, and they suffered from great headaches and dehydration. At the same time, they expressed they felt great peace and joy, describing the feeling as being immersed in God. However, Lucia claimed that with each visit, the feeling would diminish until the last visit, when the feeling of such euphoria was nearly gone. Officials believed the children were creating a hoax. On May 13, 1917, things would change dramatically. As Lucia and her cousins were watching a flock of sheep, a bright light suddenly appeared in the sky, and the echoing boom of what sounded like the clap of thunder rang out. They made their way to the Covadaira once again, believing it to be a sacred place, and where the bright light was now emanating from. The children saw in the center of the light, which they described as brighter than the sun, shedding rays of light clearer and stronger than a crystal goblet filled with the most sparkling water and pierced by the burning rays of the sun, a tiny, beautiful woman. They described her as a beautiful, 
clothed in pure white dress etched in gold. The lady claimed to be from heaven, spoke fluent Portuguese, and asked them to return to the same place in the same day of every month. She then opened her arms and released a beam of light that engulfed the children and gave them a sense of love and joy. Francisco claimed he was not able to hear the lady speak, but he indeed said he saw her. At the end of the brief encounter, the woman rose up and drifted out of sight. In June, the children returned with a group of four dozen interested spectators, some of them believers, others skeptical. In July, the curiosity seekers rose to over 4,500. The lady appeared as in the same manner as before and informed Jacinta and Francisco that they would both die young and go to heaven. The spectators could not see the lady, but report seeing a thin light cloud where the children said the lady was floating. They also said that there was a faint background noise, like the sound of bees and a cooling of the air when they interacted with this apparition. But at the end of the exchange, everyone heard a loud booming noise and saw a small cloud rise from the trees. During the third appearance in July, she asked the children to pray for peace and promised to perform a miracle in October to prove that she was indeed real. Then the peace and tranquility of the visitation manifested into something terrible. She showed them horrible visions of hell, great fires, tormented souls, and dark, demonic figures. The lady then said the end of the First World War was near, but warned of a second, much bloodier war if people didn't stop offending God. She explained that it would begin during the reign of Pope Pius XI and be preceded by an unknown light in the sky. To prevent this war, the lady demanded the consecration of Russia to her Immaculate Heart, and if Russia would continue down its current path, it would spread its mistakes across the world. The lady then departed with a loud boom. At this time, the word of such visions reached into many countries, and the children became celebrities amongst the Catholic faith. However, Lucia's own family and those of her village resented the visitations and saw her story as a grand lie. The staunchly atheist Republican government, too, believed the visits to be a hoax developed by the Jesuits to reignite their religious excitement. The local mayor apprehended the children and brought them to his hall for interrogation, and when he failed to get the children to confess to fraud, he had the children imprisoned in the depths of the castle of Orum. Here, he gave them two choices. Confess to the fraud and give up the conspirators, or be executed. At this point in the podcast, I would like to take a short break to tell you about another podcast I think you will enjoy that is specific to the topic of UFOs. Here is the host to tell you more. Hey guys, Ryan Sprague here. When I was 12 years old, I saw something in the sky that I couldn't explain, and I've been searching for answers ever since. And now, I want you to join me on that search every Monday for the Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Hear from both researchers and experiencers as we dissect these deeply complex phenomena one mystery at a time. Available now on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, or at somewhereintheskies.com. Remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Now, back to Unsolved Mysteries of the World, The Miracle at Fatima. On August 13th, a crowd of 18,000 stood at the tree where the children said they saw the lady alone, as the children were still imprisoned and awaiting their fate. Those present once again claimed they heard the boom, a flash of light, and the little cloud rise into the air from the tree and fade away. They also claimed all the clouds changed colors and the color was reflected on the crowd 
The tree leaves became flowers, and objects turned gold in color. Frustrated and unable to get the children to admit to fraud, the mayor released the children two days later, under direction that they would work hard for their families and tend to their flock and not speak of this nonsense ever again. However, only four days later, the children noticed a sudden drop in temperature and a bright light in the sky. Then the clouds started reflecting all the colors of the rainbow. The lady returned again and asked the children to pray for peace and to make sacrifices to help sinners. She also said she would return again. In September, there were about 30,000 visitors to accompany the children to the now sacred location. Thousands came to be healed and two priests who were skeptical of the whole event came to witness the phenomenon firsthand. But the priests also expressed that they felt the temperature change and saw a ball of light appear and settle on the tree. Other witnesses claimed to have seen white petals fall from the sky. However, they would seemingly melt away before they reached the people on the ground. The children once again saw the lady in the ball of light and this time she promised a miracle when she returned in October and promised to heal some of the crowd in the meantime. On October 13th, the crowd swelled to over 70,000. The final visit from the lady. In pouring rain, a ball of light emanated from the cave and approached the children. The lady announced the coming of the end of the war and asked all people to stop offending God and identified it herself as the Lady of the Rosary, although previously she claimed her name to be Immaculate Heart. She then raised her arm and flashed a light towards the sun, and at this time Lucia shouted out and pointed upwards where the children claimed they saw various holy figures standing by the sun making the sign of the cross. The spectators, however, saw something much different. They saw as the clouds parted in what appeared to be a spinning silver disc that shot out beams of colored light in all directions. Witnesses claimed that the daylight dimmed so much that they were able to see the stars in the sky. The disc stopped spinning and then fell forward toward the earth in a zigzag motion like a falling leaf causing the crowd to panic. Most fell to their knees and repented. Then the disc reversed course and flew into the bright sun. Spectators noted that their clothes were dry in the duration of the sighting, even though it had been raining. Photographs captured the event, but many of the photos they produced were not successfully developed for reasons unknown. The Catholic Church now had a keen interest in the children and took them into their care. Lucia became a nun and stayed at convents in both Spain and Portugal. She claims to have many visitations by the lady, as did Jacinta, before her premature death in 1920. People visiting the original site afterwards dug a nearby well and attested that the water has healing properties. The church raised money from pilgrimages to the site to build a chapel as it is claimed the lady requested this. The lady's prophecies were very vague and difficult to understand. But the first prophecy, which was that the two children would die young, came to pass in the flu epidemic that followed the First World War. In the 1920s, Bishop Jose Elvis Correa da Silva began an inquiry into the events, and in 1930, he claimed that the apparition of the lady was that of Mother Mary and were worthy of belief and the church would finally acknowledge the cult of Our Lady of Fatima. However, the church has imposed a more rigid interpretation of the encounter than the evidence permits. It is one that omits information, provides other descriptions, and inserts religious dogma in place of facts. These changes in fact into a religious event spurs skepticism of the entire event. Skeptics claim 
that the event and those that preceded it were simply fraudulent. Others proclaim that while there is evidence of an event, the children were most likely suffering from hallucinations which they shared with each other and then somehow shared with tens of thousands of strangers. They claim the event wasn't so much as outright fraud, but of a mass delusion in which the church ultimately benefited from. But religion, nor science, nor psychology cannot ultimately define this encounter. If we simply look at the unmolested facts, perhaps a different interpretation can be applied. Let's look at what the children first described without the editing of the church. They indicated that the woman in the light wasn't exactly real. She was an image flashed on the clouds and backdrop of the tree near the cave. In today's terms, we could make the assumption that it appeared to have been a hologram. The ball of light she was in came from a spinning disc in the sky, which the children described as being a silver sun. The children described a very tiny being. They say the lady was only one meter high and had a long white robe on which concealed hair and ears. The children assumed the lady had hair and ears, but could not be sure. Her eyes were described as being pitch black. She was also wearing rings on her neck, similar to the representation of Ishtar, the Mesopotamian goddess of love, beauty, sex, desire, fertility, war, combat, and political power. The lady was also holding in her hands near her waist a crystal ball. The children said she never moved her lips but spoke to them telepathically, and each time she finished, she turned and went back into the spinning disc. But the children were not the only witnesses. Maria Carreria states, When the children started running to the tree, we did that too. Then we started to hear something. It sounded like a high-frequency voice, but no one could understand a single word if there was any at all. It was like the sound of bees. Joel de Dios Magno wrote in his journal, When we were begging for the Queen of Heavens to appear, we saw this white oval-shaped object in the sky. It was bright white, and this oval object had its largest and flat surface under it. It crossed the sky in a perfect straight line. The flash of light, the booming sounds, the buzzing of the air, atmospheric changes, and even the petals that fell from the sky, all are indicative of encounters with what today we call UFOs or humanoid encounters. In 1959, it is reported that two UFOs danced in the sky in Portugal for four consecutive hours, and a substance like angel hair fell from the sky. Some of the substance hung on telephone wires and on roofs. Many witnesses at that time attributed the phenomenon to the Fatima encounter. If we look to the records to see what other strange events took place near Fatima during the time of the apparitions, that could be possibly related. We know that even though this is a very significant case, it isn't singular. In 1915, for example, a local resident, Carolina Carreria, reported encountering a strange entity which appeared to her inside a cone-shaped beam of light which would gradually approach and retreat from her. This cone or beam of light seemed to emanate from a strange cloud that would drift against the wind above the area. She told investigators years later, that she had heard about the other rumors in which the young shepherds encountered other entities, including the Holy Virgin Mother. Also in 1915, the young shepherd Lucia Abadora, along with Maria Rosa Mantias, Teresa Mantias, and Mario Giustino, were walking along a hill when they saw suspended in the air over some nearby trees a figure resembling the statue made out of snow. The rays of the sun seemed so bright and shine right through it, giving it a transparent appearance. 
It resembled a person wearing a white sheet. It had no eyes or hands that they could see. And in 1916, young shepherds saw what appeared to be a transparent cloud containing what appeared to be a human figure inside of it. On another occasion, they saw a light flying over their heads, and inside of it, they could see a short, childlike figure. And if we look at Marian encounters like the one at Fatima specifically, we find they are plentiful and appear around the globe from France, Spain, India, Brazil, Vietnam, China, Ukraine, Egypt, Japan, Korea, Rwanda, Syria, Argentina, Ecuador, Nicaragua, the Philippines, Israel, Lebanon, Bosnia, Canada, the United States, and so on and so on. In 2015, National Geographic published an image that shows all of the documented Marian sightings over the past 500 years. The image, along with other documents about this podcast, will be made available on our Facebook page. Just search Unsolved Mysteries of the World. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share our page. We can see that sightings increased significantly in certain decades throughout the 500-year-old time National Geographic has published. But what of before the time of Christ, before we had memory of the Virgin Mary? Did such sightings occur? While there are no documented investigations, obviously, we must look to ancient religions and cults and find similarities between what was actually witnessed and not interpreted and edited heavily by the church and what was recorded in ancient times. Surprisingly, there are many similarities and according to some researchers, the new gods are simply the old gods reinvented. To others, the encounters contain mythic and legendary elements and may come from somewhere deep within our own psyche. Perhaps when the children saw the Virgin Mary, in the words of Blake Crouch, it was a manifestation of the mind as it attempted to visually explain something our brains haven't evolved to comprehend. It may be that the responses of those who witnessed the events were shaped by their culture and upbringing. One man's Virgin Mary is another man's fairy or another man's alien. What we do know for certain is that encounters like this happen all over the world throughout history. And with that, I would like to expand on these reports with Albert S. Rosales, a UFO researcher and author. Albert Rosales was born in Cuba on January 3rd, 1958. After living for some time in Spain in 1967, his family moved to New York City before settling down in Miami, where Albert became a U.S. citizen and attended school. Albert had had many strange incidents as a child and developed an interest in UFOs and unusual events from the time he was in high school. He joined the United States Navy after high school and traveled the world. Later on, after being honorably discharged from the Navy, Albert went into the jewelry business with his father. After his father passed on, Albert joined a local law enforcement agency in Miami and served for over 30 years. Albert is married with five grown children, one girl and four boys. For over 40 years, Albert has been studying UFOs and since 1993, has been regularly updating his humanoid encounter catalog, which he has published into a series of books. His latest book is entitled UFOs Over Florida. Without further ado, here's Albert Rosales. You indicated in your bio that you had uh, many strange incidents as a child and developed an interest in UFOs and unusual events. Could you elaborate on some of these incidents and perhaps speak to one that drove you to further research and even document the humanoid encounters? Well, I, I, most, most of these events occurred when I was a, a child back in my, my native Cuba. I was born in Cuba. I can remember a couple of events. Uh, one that, that always stands out in my mind, uh, I'm talking about maybe early 60s, maybe 63 uh, everybody was sitting outside. There was no electricity that night. It was normal back in uh, at that time, and it was, uh, I was I was sitting out there with my family in the front yard, and all of a sudden, uh, from across the street, there was this object floating over the the uh, the houses across the street from us. We had a small uh, street there, 
And, you know, everybody at that time thought it was the the Americans coming to invade because that's, you know, the Cold War and the Bay, Bay of Pigs. It was during that time. Anyway, but but it didn't look like any any airplane I ever seen. I was young, but I know what airplanes look like. And it was silent, and it was I had a bright white light, and everyone else seemed to ignore it and uh, just flew alone. And then it it flew behind my house. Uh, I followed it. I ran after it, looking up at it, and uh, it stopped over my. I had a small patio in my back uh, in my house. It hovered there, and I stood under and I stared at it, and I don't remember when it left. All I know is all of a sudden my mom was yelling at me, looking for me, and I was uh, all of a sudden it's like I woke up and I was standing there alone. And uh, it was—I thought it was interesting. I don't recall if there was there any missing time. You know, back then uh, we didn't even know what it was. I, I didn't have UFOs in my mind. I, we didn't know what it was. Um, another event, maybe not UFO related, but kind of weird. Yeah. Also in my house, I was maybe seven or eight. I was walking through a hallway, and uh, there was a large mirror and on the hallway, and I looked at the mirror, and there was a, uh, a man in the mirror staring at me. Now, this man, uh, he looked human. He looked like he had a beard and a helmet. To me, he looked like one of those Spaniards, uh, that conquistador type. That's what came to my mind at that moment. He looked like a Spanish, like a Spaniard. It scared, it scared me. I ran to the kitchen. My mom came with me, and it, of course, it was gone. Well, well, that's a couple events I, I remember. I had other incidents uh, after that. Um, you know, uh, I have a little uh, paper that I wrote, uh, essay called Lifetime of Encounters. Uh, I could forward you a copy if you like. Okay, that would be perfect, yeah. It's uh, for me your uh, email and... Uh, I'll, I'll send you a couple of documents I want you to read. Sure thing. Now, you yeah. always said you felt the study of the humanoid itself was more important than any, any other study. Why is this? Because I think what's inside these objects is what's important, what, what, what drives these objects is UFOs. You see a light in the sky, okay, yeah. You see a, uh, a, maybe a flying saucer flying over the house. But what's inside is what's important. I think uh, what what the 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 ent- entities that control these objects, these, these lights, these flying triangles, whatever they might be, I think that's the uh, that's what the, the the what's most important. I believe because that that's the uh, whatever they may be. Those are the people, the, the the entities that uh, are either visiting us or they've been here for forever. Uh, I think they're, they've been here for a long time, but I think uh, the, the, the close encounters of the third kind and fourth kind are, uh, are the important ones. Sure. Even though there, there have been other, you know, second, close encounters, second kind, and that have been very interesting reports, and I don't, I don't discard any of those, you know, I, I want to say that. But I think the, the ones that I always concentrated on have been humanoid or entities or whatever you want to call them. All kinds of is there a pattern to the sightings or the the humanoid encounters, and also the people experiencing these encounters? Well, you know, uh, a pattern. Uh, we, we look at the fifties mostly. The encounters back then were like a lot of the early uh, researchers, believe it or not, discarded most of these cases. They, somebody will call in or saying that they had seen a, an alien. Uh, well, maybe they didn't call it alien. They call it a Martian, or they seen a an entity come out of a they, they were discarded. A lot of these like early uh, uh, groups like NICAP, they didn't uh, take those uh, reports seriously. So uh, who knows how many of those reports we lost. Uh, now, the uh, um, Carol Lawrenson and Jim Lawrenson from APRO, they, they took those a lot of those reports, mostly from South America. And, and if you look at these reports, the early reports of humanoid encounters in the 50s, maybe 40s, most of those entities were like either human-like, they were small, but human-like. They were, you didn't see many reports of entities that now we call greys. Now, as we move on, the 60s mainly remained the same, maybe a slow period, uh, all type of, all type of uh, humanoids, mostly human-type. Then we move into the 70s. Then everything changed. We get the reports of the little grave man. Uh, that's, it started with 
was maybe the Walton abduction back in Arizona in 75, where, where he's so uh, short humanoids, the, the great types, and then he saw also the uh, tall Nordics at the same time. I guess they were working together. But besides that report, there were other reports already of uh, the, the Greys, which, uh, of course, then when we move on the 80s and the 90s, uh, Hollywood uh, will lead us to believe that the only aliens out there are the Greys, because that's the only aliens you see on on uh, any Hollywood movie, except for the uh, Ridley Scott movie Alien, which I hope we don't have any, any of those up there. But uh, there's very different type of humanoids. Uh, you know, I'm not saying they're maybe they're all ex- extraterrestrial. Maybe some of them are. I, I, my theory is that a lot of these uh, encounters or entities uh, are interdimensional, maybe. They come from other dimensions. They they are able to break through briefly or for a while, and then go back to where they were, wherever they're from. Sure. And looking at some of the the patterns, do different people from different parts of the world or cultures do they share the same experience, or is it relatively the same in say the whole of Australia, and then different in say Mexico? Well, and maybe in some countries, like if you look at Malaysia. For some reason, a lot of the reports there—I'm not saying all of them—are of tiny entities, little 10-inch, uh, 9-inch humanoids that have been seen uh, starting in the 50s, all through the 60s, 70s, even 80s, 90s. Little, little entities. I'm, I'm not saying that these type of entities hasn't been seen in other countries. They've been seen in the U.S., Australia, the U.K., but uh, mostly worldwide has been. Uh, for some reason, uh, the greys are, are not too popular, let's say, in uh, Russia, maybe the, in Europe. Not too many of that type of report there. There are different type of aliens. There are some, you know, gray alien reports, but and mostly the U.S., not even Canada. Canada, you have different type of reports, too, especially in Quebec, which is very rich in humanoid reports. And South America also. South America, lately in the 1990s, 2000 on, there were a lot of reports uh, describing gray type entities. Before that, there were more different, varied type of humanoid reports. That's pretty interesting that you mentioned Quebec and like South America and Malaysia. Those are highly religious areas where people, you know, practice religion uh, on a daily basis. And I wonder if that has anything to do with some of the reports as well. Oh, well, I think a lot of the reports that uh, which are been taken as uh, Marian or uh, uh, apparitions, you know, the um, Holy Virgin Mary. We're, all, we're here now at the, today marks the anniversary, 100th anniversary of the Fatima visitation back in Portugal. Uh, they, they, I think uh, a lot of these cases have a, a UFO connection, definitely. Um, a lot of the cases in South America, uh, some of the cases in, uh, in Italy, when the entities were in the uh, uh, encounter there were other uh, type of entities along with the supposedly with a holy virgin mary apparition and a lot of ufological uh, you know connections there uh, it might be a connection you know uh, maybe they, they they mix both uh, the religion and the uh, the ufo together sure and what are your feelings about the fatima encounters <clears throat> well there's been a, a lot a lot of talk uh about that, and I, I think if if you look at the, the the actual description of the of the entity and the drawing made, uh, it doesn't really look like a like you will the 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 image of the Holy Virgin Mary that you see in uh, churches or in the, in books or depicted. Uh, it looks more like an entity wearing a some kind of cloak. Uh, the face has maybe slanted eyes, but it, it's not it's not uh, as humanoid, but it's not totally human. Now, along around the same time, uh, there were other reports around the same area of uh, other type of entities, and these entities were uh, deemed as being angels, even though they were you know they, they're not your your typical angel that the that we we think of as a winged creature, the tall blonde with wing. No, these were like uh, there was one that was floating within a cloud. Uh, he looked like a white figure, totally white, no features. So they said he was an angel. So I think the Fatima encounters 
has a, uh, a lot to do with extraterrestrial visitation. Sure, and there's a lot of controversy surrounding it. Uh, do you think the Vatican and the, the Roman Catholic Church covered some of this up just for their, their own gain? Or I think they did because the, the children were actually put into uh, quarantine for a whole month. And they were forbidden to speak of what they had originally seen, and and there were there was a lot of uh, I think they were they were told what to say later on in life of what they had seen. That's my opinion. And why do you think the Vatican would do that? I I, I would imagine that uh, maybe they're jealous of uh, other type of entities that people might think are 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 gods. Sure. Or, you know, they were just they they will forget about our God and just worship extraterrestrials. They don't maybe they don't want to see that. Sure. And do you do you believe that people can actually have like religious encounters, like actually see the Virgin Mary, Jesus, that sort of thing? You know, I, I believe people have. I have, there have people that actually believe they have encountered the Virgin Mary, uh, or or Jesus or Jesus type entities, angels. One interesting case is the uh, back in Egypt in 1968, the Saitun encounters, mm -hmm. where they took the photographs of the uh, the figure on top of the church. I don't know if you recall. Uh, it, there shows a figure that looks like a nun, very bright, sitting on top of the church, the church pyre, and there was and you see uh, what appears to be doves flying around, and there were several photographs taken, and, and this figure actually looked like some. Uh, to me, it looked like a cloak a nun. Actually, uh, it looks more like a virgin type apparition than any other that I have that I have seen. And he, and it occurred in Egypt, a uh, mostly uh, you know Muslim country. Sure, which is interesting, even though they have a large uh, Coptic population there. Sure, and and today marks the 100th anniversary, obviously of the the Lady of Fatima, and right. uh, there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff now online popping up uh, with you know, revelations and, and, you know, World War III is going to start today and that sort of thing. What are your thoughts on some of the, I guess, the the writings of the ch the children who wrote after? Um, you know what? I, I think uh, we're coming to a point that uh, as far as, like, climate change and uh, what's going on in the world, uh, uh, the arms race, nor you know, North Korea, you look at it and you go, you know, something's going to have something's going to have to give. Uh, something has to be fixed because, uh, uh, I, like uh, Hawking says, that uh, humans are going to have to. If, if we keep on this trend or this path we're we're heading, we're going to have to leave, evacuate the Earth in, in less than a hundred years because we're going to destroy the Earth. Sure. And do you think? Do you think UFOs or even these humanoid encounters? Do they have like messages for these people or? <clears throat> Yeah, at, you know, in uh, a lot of my cases that I, uh, in my books, uh, a lot of the encounters, uh, uh, the more, you know, contactee type or abduction type encounters, there's many, 90% of those are, there's a message given most of the time at the end, which gives most of these messages are, uh, uh, you know, warnings of future catastrophes or if we don't, if we don't stop uh, this or we don't change our ways, a lot of these warnings, I think most of these warnings have uh, remained un, uh, uh, unheeded. Uh, and I don't know if these creatures or whoever they are have the ability to help us, but uh, I guess we, we will have to see. Sure. And what are your current thoughts on UFO research? Are we headed in the right direction? Well, it's changed a lot, that's for sure. There's, uh, I, I try not to get involved with the conspiracy theories and a lot of, you know, I, I stick to my humanoid encounters. I collect encounters worldwide and compile them, translate them. But uh, the, I, I think, I think we're in a, I think we're in a, we're headed in the right direction. I think there's many branches that. Uh, has spread out like exopolitics and in, in, in Europe and so certain uh, places in Europe they they're very active in South America. Uh, I I think uh, that you know we're in a positive uh, slide. I think so. Perfect. Now you just wrote a, a new book, uh, UFOs over Florida. How did that come about? I always wanted to get together. Uh, 
all these strange occurrences here in, in the state, of, the great state of Florida that Canadians love so much. <laughs> and uh, and many, I I went through all my files, uh, old books, magazines, and I found cases. The earliest one, 1811, all the way to 2015. Uh, many cases, uh, local cases, which I myself talked to the witness, investigated. And many cases all through uh, all through the state of Florida. Um, a lot of them, Miami, uh, Jacksonville. Uh, there's an area in, uh, called Brooksville, which is a lot of cases from there. I included some of the skunk ape, more interesting uh, skunk ape uh, incidents there. Not all of them, because there will be too many. But um, uh, the book uh, the book has a pretty well. Um, it, it gives you all types of encounters, like uh, flybys with uh, occupied saucers or UFOs, full blown full blown abductions, kidnapping, disappearances, contacts, whatever. It's all in there. It's all happened in Florida. Now, why do you think Florida is such a hotbed for for that sort of activity? I never thought it was actually. I, I thought it wasn't, but I learned uh, after I started doing my research. A lot of people don't think so. There's uh, local people that have approached me and goes, "Why, why not? Why uh, never anything happens here?" I go, "Yes, it does. You just gotta be, you just gotta look for it. It, it does happen everywhere." Yeah, Where, it might be. It might be happening in every state and every province and probably every country. Just that not too many people come forward to. No, a lot of people are uh, totally ignorant of what's really going on. Yeah, and do you think the the space program there has anything to do with it? Either you know logically thinking of, you know, uh, a secret space program or that these entities or UFOs are kind of checking out what we're doing? Well, I think there's been there's been a lot of incidents, uh, encounters in the area of uh, Cape Canaveral. Mm -hmm. Very interesting cases. Maybe there maybe there is a secret space program, which I believe there is. Uh, of all the, you know, information uh, I have read and I just can't believe that that we're still using, you know, booster rockers to, to get up into space, you know, all that. I don't know. It seems obsolete to me. I don't know. <laughs> For sure. You know, I don't know. But, it, yeah, uh, there is a lot of uh, cases up from central Florida. Yeah. And, Canaveral. Like, and many of these, like, highly publicized human encounters um, are humanoid encounters, sorry, uh, like Roswell and stuff like that. What is your take on, you know, those those ones who have been kind of uh, dragged to death and to the, the publicity sake? Well, Roswell, uh, you know, I believe uh, something really did happen there. Uh, I think there was a crash of more than one object, and something was recovered, and it changed the U.S., uh, the way that the, the U.S. Uh, operated after that. I think there was some technology uh, retrieved. I, I believe so. I think there was actually a crash, more than one crash, uh, not even not only in Roswell but other locations. So, do you believe these UFOs are are actual crafts, like physical crafts, or do you think there's something else to it? Maybe there's a combination. I think there's a combination of physical nuts and bolts, and then uh, maybe, like I say, inter interdimensional uh, visitors. Sure. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I think. I, for some reason, my computer wants to restart. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. Okay. Something's shutting you down there. You talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know, looking at it from a different perspective, other than religion, and including religion as well, it really has some different ideas behind it. Of okay, well. What about all these other prophecies and visitations? Do they have similar implications like Fatima? Because it seems like, you know, it was kind of under the lid for a bit. And then it, you know, in the late 1940s, 1950s, it just kind of took off. Well, a lot of the, uh, before Fatima, there were other uh, Virgin Mary encounters, uh, Marian apparitions, like one of the more uh, important ones or famous ones is Lourdes. I, I was there a long time ago when I, I visited the shrine, and uh, and Lourdes is, is strange because there were uh, besides the Virgin Mary that was seen the uh, entity, there were other entities seen there. But of course, there's not too much talk about that. But that's one of the few um, um, Virgin Mary apparitions apparitions that the Catholic Church has uh, accepted, or along with Fatima and a couple others, you know. 
So these other entities that were along with the, I guess the Virgin Mary vision, um, what were they exactly? Was there a description given to what they looked like? Or well, uh, one of the, the children I saw they said they looked like um, men, uh, and they gave the they uh, according to them they looked like uh, maybe saints. That's the name they could give them. I mean, maybe they couldn't describe them. They they had no other point of reference. Uh, they looked like men and robes, just like the Virgin Mary, or maybe the arch um, archangel Michael which uh, some of the children in Fatima claim to have seen also. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to, to hear some of these stories and then kind of yeah. line them up and see, okay, what is what is the truth behind everything? Because there's so much, you know, political motive. The more the more I learn and I read, the, the, more, the less I know sometimes, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is. It is uh, very... And if you dwell into too much, then you, you lose focus and and your and real life. You know what I mean? And you don't want to do that. <laughs> and and for these for these encounters, uh, I guess going forward in the future, are we gonna are we gonna be able to perhaps take photos, videos? Like I know the the miracle of the sun. You know there was what thirty to a hundred thousand people there. Right. And you know there was a couple photographers, but the photos that they took were kind of pretty much useless. <laughs> yeah. It was back in 19, you know, 13, 16, uh, you know, sure. but uh, uh, they have, some, they've been some modern encounters, but I don't think that there's uh, uh there haven't been any uh, like photographs or that type of uh, evidence. And yeah, that's what I'm wondering, like, you know, everybody's got a cell phone in their pocket and with a camera attached to are you, it. Are you talking about the Marian opera- operations? or uh, uh, Any kind of humanoid uh, encounter, I would I would suggest. Well, you know, there's a whole bunch of pictures out there, you know, going through the the Internet. And, and you know, most of them are fakes and, and videos. They're all BS. Uh, but I think there's been a couple, which I, I – a couple has been sent to me, which they look genuine. They, I mean, you don't see the – the actual alien or spaceman coming out of the UFO, but there's, but you know, if you think about it, if if you are in, put yourself in their, in their in their shoes, you're walking around. If, yeah, you have a cell phone, and all of a sudden there's something in front of you that looks like a seven foot tall humanoid. What's what's your first reaction? Take a photo. I don't know. I think I think my first reaction would be to run. <laughs> you know, it, it better better uh, easier said than done. I think. Do you think some of these? Uh hoaxes and photos and stories uh that they're part of the phenomenon that's happening uh, well i think a lot of them, a lot of those uh, reports and uh, fake uh stuff is misinformation inserted there by maybe certain parties i don't know i i just say i didn't want to go into uh any conspiracy stuff but hey, i can't help it sometimes i i think it's done intentional uh, maybe not by the, by the phenomenon, but uh, by but uh, other 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 agencies. Okay, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just uh, as a side topic. I just got an article about Monsanto, and they were actually putting trolls on Facebook and stuff to boost their popularity. So I can see that kind of happening as well, where they would just kind of hire some people and just say, "Okay, throw a bunch of junk out there." Well, yeah. Yeah, and and just have people follow false leads and you know kind of giggle in the background. But then you know if there's serious researchers looking at false leads, then they can't look at the phenomenon. Yeah. And that's properly. true. What happens is the media will concentrate on, on the hoaxers and the people that make fun of the phenomenon. For sure, because it's yeah. it's more it's more sensational, right? To have right. you know a crashed thing and the the guys had a sexual encounter with a humanoid, and they, they'll just you know love that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, but you know, if there's a, a whole host of witnesses to say that they saw something strange and they can't really explain it, well, that's not newsworthy to them, right? Thank you, Albert, for speaking with us today. If listeners would like to hear more about humanoid encounters, we will provide links to various books on our Facebook page and in the program description. Coincidentally, this interview was recorded 100 years to the date of the original Fatima encounter. While this seems as insignificant coincidence, in ufology, sometimes these synchronizations have deeper meaning. Many people believe that on the 100th anniversary, a miracle would happen in Fatima. Pope Francis canonized two children, 
Sister Francisco and Jacinta Marto in front of at least a million people and prayers and celebrations continued throughout the day. Some were expecting another visit from the Virgin Mary and others expected a miracle to happen, but nothing materialized. In returning from Fatima, the Pope expressed thoughts and his doubts about another Marian visitation, which began in 1981 in Bosnia. Quote, The report has its doubts, but personally, I am a little worse, the Pope told reporters traveling with him from Fatima, Portugal. I prefer Our Lady as Mother, Our Mother, not our lady as head of the post office who sends a message at a stated time. This isn't Jesus's mother, he said. And these alleged apparitions don't have much value. I say this as a personal opinion, but it is clear. Who thinks that our lady has come because tomorrow at this time I will give a message to that seer? No, end quote. Three of these six young people who originally claimed to have seen Mary in Bosnia in June 1981 say that she continues to appear to them each day. The others three say Mary appears to them once a year now. A church commission studied the alleged apparition in 1982 to 1984 and again in 1984 to 1986 with more members. And then the Yugoslavian Bishops' Conference studied them from 1987 to 1990. All three commissions concluded that they could not affirm that a supernatural event was occurring in the town. Despite his personal doubts, the Pope said that the spiritual and pastoral facts cannot be denied. People go there and convert. People who find God. People who change their lives. There isn't magic there, he said. History repeats itself. And so does the phenomenon. To this day, the Fatima encounter is one that is shrouded in mystery. And today remains one of the most important events in both religion and in ufology. Thank you for listening to Unsolved Mysteries of the World. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or your other favorite podcast directory, and subscribe, rate, and review. We would really appreciate your support. If you haven't already, join us on Facebook to enhance this episode with photos, illustrations, and lively discussion. Look for our suggested links, and do share this podcast with others. Perhaps you or someone you know will have a solution to this mystery. This podcast is created by Cold Rasta Studios and includes music and sound effects by John Savoy, Albert Ray, Gerardo Garcia Jr., Rana Szilard, Maddia Cupelli, Alex Lisi, Martin Kahlberg, and Adrian von Ziegler. <laughs>